forever. Dog. Stoller, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Relatively Healthy. Today, the question is, what's up with gallbladders? I don't think any of us know what they do or what it would feel like to have a bad one or what happens when you get one removed. So I'm really grateful to have my friend Nicole Silverberg on the show today. She had her gallbladder removed and she's going to tell us all about the gall. everyone. I'm Janie Stoller. Welcome to Relatively Healthy. Today, I'm joined by an incredible guest over Skype because she's in New York writing for Full Frontal with Sam B. Killing it. Nicole Silverberg. Thank you for being here, Nicole. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. This is very exciting because as we were saying off air, I think we're finally discussing an underserved, underdiscussed organ and your health journey. And today we're talking gallbladder. Yeah. It's all about the gall, baby. It's all about the gall. Hashtag it. So, um, yes, I want to know. So a bit about your story, like you, when did you know something was wrong and what launched you into what happened next? As vague as a setup as that is. Um, yeah, I mean, so I got my gallbladder out, um, February 11th, 2015, which is just about three years ago. Um, And I had my first symptoms like a year before that. Um, And it took it took about a year for uh, me to figure out what was wrong. So what were the symptoms that were telling you something was wrong? Um, Really, really bad abdominal pain. Like, I don't think I have a particularly high pain tolerance, Um, but, you know, like they'll say, like, is this? Is it a throbbing pain? Is it stabbing? Like the word that they use to describe gallbladder, gallbladder pain is gripping. Gripping. Gripping pain. Um, it's like on your upper abdomen. Um, and like it's characterized by like deep breaths and change of position not helping. Oh my God. So, um, and you can have like an episode, like a gallbladder pain episode that can last, I think that they think like up to three hours or something. Like that. Wow. And it's basically what I had, I had, it was like January of 2014. I lived in New York for six months maybe. And I just like had just kind of out of nowhere, just like this upper abdominal pain. And I just kind of like was writhing around on my bed and just like, couldn't believe how much pain I was in. And I, had it for probably an hour. And I think I called my mom and was Mm -hmm. like, I don't know what to do. I am in pain. And she was like, okay, well, if you're still in pain in like an hour from now, maybe go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which is also funny because I feel like I grew up in a household that like, was like, just take some Advil. You'll be fine. Right. Right. So that my, that was like the beginning of me living a life where like, I just, go to the hospital or like go to the doctor. I don't like tough it out. Um, I was like, okay. And then the pain kind of went away. And then I think one week later it came back and that was like three hours. It oh was, my God. It was like brutal. And so I, I did go to the hospital. I went to the emergency emergency room. I was living in Manhattan my first year in New York, like someone who totally gets it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
yeah. And I went to the hospital and went to the emergency room and it was on a Sunday night. And, um, you hear all these horror stories about like emergency rooms and it was very freakish. There was like no one there. And I basically walked in, but by the time I talked to someone, the pain had significantly subsided and it was a lot harder for them to like do an exam. Did they mention gallbladder then, or was it like, it's probably stomach pain or something else? Well, so here's, so here's, you know, the, the, the detail of my gallbladder journey is that your gallbladder is on your, the upper right quadrant of your abdomen, abdomen. Oh my God. It's on the upper right quadrant. And my pain was completely central. Like Mm. it's not exactly, which is a way that gallbladder pain can present, but it's not as common. And so no one thought it was my gallbladder. Oh no. So basically they like did an exam. They gave me fluids. I, they gave me a referral for a gastrointestinal doctor. And, um, I went to that doctor and he told me that I had acid reflux. Oh my God. So he gave me a prescription for what is just 100% Prilosec OTC. Like it was not like, it was like over the counter. Wow. But, but I had a prescription for it. This goes so into like how people, it's really hard to describe pain or for people to understand pain and how quick people are to just say, it's probably this and give you a pill and hope it goes away. Yeah. I mean, I described where the pain was and he was like, I guess it could be an ulcer condition. It might just be acid. Like, can you just take this medicine for three months? And if it doesn't get better, just like, let me know. Wow. It just kind of never came up again. And I didn't think it was because of the medicine that I had been told to take, but I didn't, but I didn't know for sure. I mean, Mm -hmm. I definitely didn't think I had acid reflux that felt very out of nowhere. And yeah, I just had like, you know, a big bill for a, I mean, I was lucky I was still on my parents' health insurance because I was, um, I think 23, um, uh, thank you, Obama. So I like had gone to the emergency room and had gone to this GI doctor and, and it just kind of seemed like it had gone away on its own. And so it was just kind of like, that was weird. Okay. Just a lot of pain. Going to take the pill. See what happens. Yep. And then what happened was my mom got her gallbladder removed. Oh, wow. So gallbladder is like one of those things that like, I don't think there's an official like scientific conclusion that it's hereditary, but basically every doctor is like, it runs in the family. Mm. So my mom got her gallbladder out, her brother and her dad had already gotten their gallbladders out and her dad had gotten his gallbladder out before it was a laparoscopic surgery. And I think gallbladder removal, according to what I heard about this, like it's a pretty serious surgery because your gallbladder is behind your liver. Mm -hmm. And so you have to, you have to do this like big diagonal incision and get under there. And like you have, um, you have like, I think two weeks, maybe bed rest after that surgery. Laparoscopically, it is nowhere near as severe a surgery. But my mom had, wow, I just never get to talk for this long about my gallbladder. This is wild to me. So (laughs) your gallbladder, the pain comes from having gallstones. And sometimes your gallstones get so bad that it actually impacts the health of the organ Mm -hmm. itself. So when my mom got her gallbladder out, it was an emergency surgery because her gallbladder was inflamed and she was at risk of having much more serious health complications if they didn't take it out right away. So my mom 
had pain that was like causing vomiting. She just was like very, very sick. They took her to the hospital. They almost immediately assumed that it was gallbladder uh, related things just because of what her symptoms were. And they basically rushed her into surgery. And it was also a more difficult surgery in the sense that just she was sicker going in. And so I think she was in the hospital for two or so days mm-hmm. after her surgery. Um, I obviously had much more of like a, my gallbladder is like having an episode and then it's not having an episode. So my mom had this surgery in December and then in January, like one, you know, basically one year after I had had my first gallbladder episode, I had another one and it was eerie. Like I couldn't believe that it was happening again. And I was in an incredible amount of pain and it was worse than before. And I did feel nauseous. Um, and I didn't know that it was my gallbladder at this point either. And my best friend from home, her dad is a urologist. And my mom told me that Kurt, his name's Kurt, that Kurt was going to call me, uh, and like kind of talk to me about my symptoms so we could decide what I was going to do. And so, um, he got on the phone with me and was asking questions about my pain. And then while I was on the phone with him, I threw up Oh wow. <laughs> in his ear. Like I was holding the phone to my face and I threw up and then I hung up and then I called him back and I was like, wow, this is mortifying. And I'm very sorry. That was really bad timing. And he was like, actually, I think that was really good timing, but he like could hear me throw up. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, please go to the hospital. And so I did. And I went back and they still had me on file. And I was like, hi, it's me. I'm back again. Um, this time it was not like a dream scenario of of like just walking through and seeing a doctor right away. I just had to wait for a long time. And while I was waiting, I was in an incredible amount of pain. And then again, by the time the doctor saw me, like my episode had ended. And already as a woman, I feel like I'm overreacting all the time. And it is like an extremely upsetting experience to try and explain that you were in an immense amount of pain, but you aren't anymore. But like, it was really bad. And I promise I'm not overreacting or making it up or any of this stuff. Right, right. Do an exam on you and be like, does it hurt here? How like, they can't ask you any questions because you're not in the middle of it. And he said that maybe it possibly could be my gallbladder, I would need an abdominal ultrasound. But your machine is closed for the night. And so I could come back another time if I wanted to, like, it was just very, it was very much like, do you want us to just give you some Tylenol? But it sounds like you were experiencing some of the symptoms your mom had when it needed to be an emergency surgery and be urgent. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Anyway, I called my mom and she was like, it's your gallbladder. Yeah. But I can't really believe her because, um, you know, like just when something happens to you and then you see it everywhere. Right, right, right. I was like, mom, not everyone who has stomach pain has a gallbladder problem. Like, geez, because I also still didn't have like the most important part of gallbladder pain, which was pain where your gallbladder is. Like Mm. it still wasn't in the location of my gallbladder. Um, And so I was told that I need to go see a GI doc again. And I was like, oh, good. I'm going back to this like acid reflux guy. Perfect. And, um, my insurance had changed and he was no longer in my network. And so I had another doctor, Dr. Yasmin Metz, and she was so much better than this other guy. He like, he had 
just kind of made a guess. And she was like, you know, I think it could still be your gallbladder, even though it's not, uh, it's not a textbook gallbladder case. And she sent me to get an abdominal ultrasound and I had gallstones and a bunch of gallstones. There you go. Yeah. And then she referred me to a surgeon and that's what set all of that in motion. So in that time, like dealing with the pain and it not getting the proper diagnosis, were you, were you commonly like frustrated or were you just like, okay, sounds like that's what it is. Just going to keep doing what they say. It's definitely frustrating, but also a little bit scary to know Mm -hmm. that something's wrong and not know what it is. Like it was very, it was a big relief to have a diagnosis just because then you come up with a game plan. Like something I've, heard from other people who have their gallbladder out of like surgery isn't fun and the pain of surgery isn't ideal, but it's nothing compared to the pain of a gallbladder episode. So between the two, it's just kind of a no brainer to get the surgery. Got it. So yeah, yeah, I, I was relieved. I mean, I'm very lucky in the sense that I, I essentially had eight months or so without any gallbladder pain. And it had seemed like it had gone away or just like, oh, bodies are weird. I guess I had this weird thing happen to me. Oh, well. Um, But then when it came back, it was kind of, it was scary in the sense of like, oh, it seems like this is something that just is happening to my body. And if I don't figure out what it is, it's just going to keep happening. And what if this happens like when I'm at work? Right. Oh, it did. Wow. I'm remembering it did happen when I was at work. Oh, God. I did have a third after the vomiting episode, I think I had a gallbladder episode like while I was at work and it only lasted for an hour, but I was, ba- I was a babysitter <laughs> and it happened before the, I would get there early and I would walk their dog. I would go grocery shopping. Wow. I just had this flashback to like writhing around like on their couch. Oh my like, God. Just waiting. Yeah. And it was like, that was, that was not a sustainable lifestyle if that's what was going to happen. Um, I think that I can't remember if that happened before or after I vomited, but I definitely think that that was something that happened where I didn't go to a doctor afterwards. I was like, I, I wasn't sure what to do. It only lasted an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's really, your body is so weird and you don't understand what's going on inside of it. And when it starts hurting or doing something that you don't understand, and then the people who are supposed to understand are like, our machine is closed. Sorry. Or like, Hmm, my best guess is that something that you shouldn't have to pay me to tell you. Like, it's a very uh, demoralizing experience. Yeah, I bet. And you were on insurance, but still, every time you go to a doctor or an emergency room, you're dealing with, is it worth the cost of going and getting the same answer? Am I going to walk away and just be more upset and confused and not have an answer? So is it worth even going? Like, it's just going to keep happening? I didn't insurance. I... I would have run out of money before I got the correct diagnosis right, easily. Right. Two, two emergency room trips, one of which was truly worthless because by the time they saw me, I wasn't in pain anymore. And their machine that they said I needed to have a test through, I like couldn't. They put that it was closed, which also just didn't seem like a real answer. I just couldn't believe that like I was at this big New York hospital and it was on a Sunday night and they were like, yeah, sorry, we closed our abdominal ultrasound for the night. I'm like, this is not how it works on Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy, someone comes in at two in the morning and all of my friends are working and they, they fix it. They figure it out. Yeah. Like the hospital's on fire and people are having sex and they find a way to scan a gallbladder. Like it just works out. 
the technician there. Ask around. There's a hot technician, okay? I've seen Grey's Anatomy. There's a hot technician at Joe's Pub across the street, and he's only had one drink, and it's fine. It's fine. I trust him. He has really strong hands. Um, (laughs) So the thing about abdominal ultrasound, though, is that the technician sees things on the screen, but they can't tell you what they're seeing. Oh. So it's like she can see, but because she's not like the doctor, right. she can't like do the conclusion. So I'm like on this table, like having, you know, like the gel and all the stuff on my stomach. And she's looking around and like, just has like this game face. Like they can't. And it's just, I was like, are there gallstones? And she was like, the doctor will call you with your results tomorrow. <laughs> but like, okay. Just like, give me a sneak peek. Just give me like a clue. Okay. Cause okay. you're seeing like, it. Uh, it's not life or death. Like I'm not yeah. asking you if I have a tumor. I'm, I just want to know, like, do you see a bunch of horrible stones inside my tiny organ? Yeah. Or like, can I look, you know, like, is there a way I could, you're not liable. Maybe I can figure it out. Yeah. I'll figure it out. Just show me. Um, so you finally, yeah, they figured it out and then it was a no brainer. You said to get the procedure. Yeah. I mean, well, so this is, you'll appreciate this. Mm. I was in my first advanced Herald class. God bless. For the first time I had like met people who I liked, like I went through the entire sketch program, the entire improv program at UCB and made like not one friend. I like, can relate. I, I like, <laughs> uh, like the system is a fluke or I'm a fluke. Like where are like, where are my collaborators I'm supposed to be meeting? So where's I finally, my Alana? I where's my Abby? Exactly. <laughs> I'm no, no. Where, who's my friend who we're both never going to get on a Herald team, but we'll become famous. Exactly. And yeah, so I was in um, an advanced Herald class. And when I went to go to the surgeon to, um, by the time I went to the surgeon, it was basically like to schedule, like he looked at all my, my charts and my x-rays and stuff, but he, it was basically just to schedule surgery. And I was like, well, um, I need to wait until like this class I'm in is over. <laughs> And he was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a class show and I like the people. Don't you understand? But if you miss two classes, that's a fourth of the class. <laughs> I will die. Um, it's worth it. Yeah. Why don't yeah, you see? It was it's so like embarrassing and sad to look back on that and to be like, I'll just postpone the surgery that I need because I should, you know, learn about um, callback. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I should learn more about the pattern game. Um but what was good about it was that, you know, I went in and he was like, listen, your organ is fine. Like there's not a, you're not in a big rush. We can basically do the surgery whenever. And he, then he was like, so how does next week sound? I was like, whoa, no, oh no, I can't that next week. That, what? That's so soon. I was like, let's just do it in two months when this class ends. And he basically was like, no, mm-hmm. I, we need to do this as soon as comfortably possible for you because while it's not an emergency now, it can get worse. And do you really want to just be in pain? Like we can't guarantee that you're not going to have just because you've had long stretches between gallbladder episodes doesn't mean that that's going to continue to be the case. And having someone tell me what to do was actually very helpful. Yeah. Sounds like you got an answer finally. Yeah. It was just very nice for someone to just be like, oh, no, no, we're going to do this soon. So I scheduled it for like a month after that. Mm -hmm. He had really stressed how this was not a big deal. He was like, you're walking out of the hospital. 
it's laparoscopic. We're doing a single incision through your belly button, which um, was kind of interesting because New York really is like a center for medical innovation and like, and surgeons at the top of their game. My mom who had the surgery two months earlier had three incisions Oh wow! at a great, at a great hospital, but I, my, my surgeon only needed to do one. Mm-hmm. He operated with a robot one day a week and was like, do you want to operate on Monday? On Mondays I used the robot. And I was like, what's the difference? And I, I'm not kidding. He said to me in response, quote, it's the same shit. <laughs> he asked me what I did for a living and I told him, comedy and he seemed to like instantly be more at ease like the pressure of keeping me alive like was instantly alleviated he He brings out all his robot material immediately just making you laugh yeah i can i can take this a lot less seriously that's Um, nice but he, he was amazing and he yeah so i mean i had been very convinced like oh this is fine and i'd been dating franson my boyfriend i'd been dating him for less than a year at this point. But I was like, you know, between him and my roommate, Emily, I'm sure that I will be fine. Like, I'm sure I'll be taken care of. And I kind of had told my mom, like, there's no need for you to fly out and be here for the surgery. And my mom, who had had the surgery herself was like, what? (laughs) And um, she's like, no, I'm flying out. And truly, thank God she did. It was my surgeon was very, he kind of overstated like how much you just walk out of the hospital. Like you walk out of the hospital because they are rolling you in a wheelchair and then they don't take you outside. Oh, just, Okay. Time for you to walk to a cab, but you're they not walk, like, you walk out because there's no money in the hospital system to keep you there right. when they probably should. And then they need the wheelchair back. Got it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. So it ended up being a good thing. That Did my, you get the robot? No, mm. I didn't. Told me that it, he told me that there's no advantage to the robot. Oh, and for for my particular surgery. Oh, okay. My surgery was like at seven a.m. and or maybe seven thirty. I had to be there at like six, and the surgery itself was fifteen minutes. Oh wow, which is wild to me. I think he just has done a ton of them. Um, I yeah, I think just it was. It was just a very routine surgery. My mom and Branson went to go in the waiting area. And by the time they like got to the waiting area, someone like came, like almost couldn't find them because they assumed that they hadn't even been told to go to the waiting area yet. Like my surgery had been over for like a full 15 minutes before they even found them to tell them that my surgery was done. Wow. Um, Yeah. And then, yeah, I awoke from the surgery, t- did not have any pain medication, woke up like whimpering. And then they were like, great, she's alive. And then gave me some Percocet mm-hmm. and almost immediately sent me on my way. Wow. And so how yeah. long did you take to recover? Um, he, again, Dr. Zarnagar was like, you're going to be walking a mile on day three. <laughs> I mean, I guess I could have. It would have been a very slow mile. It would have taken me a long time. Yeah, you probably shouldn't. I mean, you could, but why? Yeah. My mom stayed for three days. And those three days, I was I was basically in the bed in her hotel room, like the basically the whole time. 
And for the week after that, I still had like incision pain and like stand like like the core strength when you're like standing on the subway and like like correcting when the train like stops and stuff like that. Like that it was another week or so before that wasn't painful. Oh man. When you're injured or something like this going on, you try to navigate the subway, all of a sudden it's a different situation. Like if you, it's it's rough and they're not waiting for you on those stairs. You're being pushed down. Well, the other thing is when you're young mm-hmm. and you appear to be healthy, mm-hmm. like people do not believe that you don't feel well. Right, right. Like when I rode the subway home, like maybe my first week back at work, um, I was in a, I was in a lot of pain and it was and it was crammed and someone kind of noticed that I was like doing, you know, like pregnancy breathing. <laughs> And was like, do you need to sit down? And when I said yes, she was like pissed. Right. Like she was asking because I was, it became clear to me that she was asking because I was annoying her with my breathing. Right. And then when my answer was yes, she was like, well, shit, now I have to give up my seat. Like she, you know, it didn't pay off for her. Exactly. And it was very, it was kind of humiliating. Like, you know, in a way to be like, I should have just said, yes, I just recently had surgery. I'm sorry or right. whatever. But, it, you know, it, it wasn't it, it, it was it was not you would think it would be really easy in the aftermath of surgery to just be like, well, obviously, I'm not going to just stand and be in pain like that's not worth it. I'll just ask for a seat if I need one and people will give up their seat. New Yorkers are not as callous or horrible as they're always made out to be. But in the moment, it does feel like a massive ask. And it does. Oh, feel- yeah. When I had a back injury, I was like, I was just hoping someone would see I was in pain. No one did. And I remember just going like, I'm so sorry. I'm in a lot of pain. Can anyone give up their seat? And like, no one did. I mean, maybe a fake pregnancy belly would be a good thing. They don't always give up their seat for pregnant people either. So I I don't think that would work. I've gotten yelled at. I got yelled at once in the, um, it's not a, is it a FedEx Kinko's? What's like the place where you can print your sketches by the UCB training center on the corner? Is that or a staples? Yeah. Whatever, whichever one it is. One time there was a woman who was sorting papers on top of a copier, um, that I, a copier that like, like you could sort your papers on the table. You could do it in these like deliberate areas where you can sort papers. But instead she was doing it on top of a copier that then people couldn't use. She was taking quite a long time. And I said something like, do you mind doing that over there? And she whipped around and like screamed at me. She's like, my husband just died. And he his papers for his will. And it was, it was really like one of the most awful awful thing ever <laughs> and then you look and she's like printing out flyers for her one woman show it's like, it was like i was like oh yeah i like have to copy a sketch about like a robbery that's a first date like this is really important for me yeah but it was, i felt that all the time when i had when i was recovering from my gallbladder surgery of like you don't know what's going on with someone on the inside and like you can't just make these assumptions but you, you kind of can't escape it right also right. my sister was in the hospital at the time that this what? happened wanted to be like this isn't fair my oh my is- god the people in your like, family were all going through it at the same time it was just like oh my god I don't like I it was just one of those moments where you're like I wish that someone could airlift me out of this right out of this moment so that no one has to like come to terms with how we're behaving like no one has to like think later about how like I yelled at someone in a staples 
um, and probably like didn't need to do that, even though I was having a hard time. And like, I rushed a woman in the staples because I like didn't really consider what might be going on with her. And I just wanted to be on time to my sketch class. Like, you know, just there was a moment where I was like, oh, I need to not ever. Oh, my God. But if everyone just like took a second on the subway and explain their pain, I think we'd all be much better off. If everyone could like go around and be like, here's what I'm dealing with. I think everyone would get along. It's just we don't know. We don't know. You truly don't know. Don't and know. I think that that's actually a, a legitimately good lesson to learn. But you only ever really learn that lesson through being the person who people don't understand something's going on with you or right. accidentally mistreating someone who like is going through something that you couldn't visually see. And then you feel really, really awful about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like, know, it's, you don't want to assume people aren't assholes in New York, but maybe this is like a lesson. It's like safe to assume sometimes, Hey, I don't know what they're going through. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt a little bit. Right. Yeah. Giving them the benefit of the doubt. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I only ever asked for that seat that one time. And um, it was a bad enough experience that I mean, I also was healing and it wasn't necessary for much longer beyond that. But yeah, it was it was not it, it wasn't my favorite experience. No. I've had in New York. It's not great. It's like, why? You know, I'm not lying. Like, why would I be lying? But also you can kind of tell that they think you're lying. Oh, for sure. And like no one wants a seat that badly going four stops. Like and we're asking because you got to sit down. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So totally. how how long was so that process like your mom was there for three days and then you said it took about a week or so until you were able to navigate somewhat on the train and then longer term, what did it look like? Like, do you I mean, to this day, you eat and drink differently than you did before. So in theory, your diet is not supposed to change. I mean, so for, I guess I should have said this way earlier, but your gallbladder holds your bile and it releases bile to help you digest, um, particularly fatty meals. And like you can digest fatty meals without your gallbladder. That's why you can get it removed. It's, it's an, it's an organ that, that provides support for something that your system does naturally, but you, you can't do it as well. Or if it's, if it's especially fatty food, you, you might have digestion issues. And so you're not supposed to eat or drink differently afterwards, but the way that, he, that my surgeon had explained it to me, like before you had your gallbladder out, maybe if you ate a whole bucket of fried chicken, you would have gotten a stomach ache. Like you wouldn't have gotten off scot-free, but you would have like maybe just have a stomach ache. Now, like you will probably have diarrhea, mm -hmm. like your, your, your body just isn't quite going to be able to digest it as well. So I would say that I have a, a, not the healthiest diet in the world. Like I, that's something that I'm always like going through phases where I'm like, I'm actually eating much healthier right now. And I found that switching my diet is what sometimes throws my system off a little bit, mm -hmm. but basically you, you, there like are different, like, I guess, stages of your recovery and the way that it had been explained to me is that, you know, usually people's digestion is basically back to normal within three months. And then, uh, and then maybe for some people it's six months and then for like 1% of people, it gets to normal with between six months and a year. But for the most part, wherever you're at six months after is probably where you're going to be forever. Mm. It was horrible news for me because at six months I was having diarrhea constantly oh, God. and things were really bad. 
I had a complete uptick in quality of life around month eight, mm. um, which is good. Eight My months po- is a lot of diarrhea. It was. And you know what? It's it still is a lot of diarrhea. Mm. Like it, it's not it's not amazing. It's it's now been long enough that I honestly can't even remember what it was like to like poop normally or like how much did I used to poop? Like I never used to talk about poop. It used to like embarrass me. And I thought it was gross. Like I was not someone who like talked about farts or anything. Like it was something where I was like, no, that's private. That's like a private thing. And it's honestly been such a big part of like my life since I've had this surgery that I, it's become a topic that just out of necessity, I've become really comfortable talking about. Um, so much so that now I'm the one who accidentally like goes a little bit too far just talking about something that's going on with my digestion. My mom doesn't get diarrhea. Um, I'm <laughs> proud to announce. I'm sure she'd be thrilled for everyone to know. But she gets really bad stomach aches. Mm-hmm. Like if my mom has like a queso dip or something, she'll just have like her indigestion is much more pain based. She'll have a stomach ache or just feel really gross. I feel like that's the kind of thing where I would feel maybe inclined to announce it. I don't know why I would think it's like, Okay, it's not my character that I have diarrhea. I have a medical reason for it. I don't know why, but it just feels like I would talk about it because it's like this is just part of what I went through and what my body's doing for a medical reason. I don't know why I would judge it. I don't need to do no, that. I, I I feel like that's what I do too. I mean, the I would say that more than the diarrhea, it's that every time I need to shit, I needed to be shitting 30 seconds ago. Like oh every time I need to go to the bathroom, oh, it's no. like the most urgent thing. And for a while that was extremely stressful because I would be like walking in New York and all of a sudden it was like, Oh, okay. I'm about to shit my pants. Like, Oh my God. And you know, like, Oh, I just can't even imagine the horrible scenarios, like the places you could be where it would just, that's not where you want it. You are not in the right place. And what I've, so, so what I've like had to kind of wonder is like, Sometimes I genuinely have to like leave in the middle of a conversation or leave a room like at work, like leave a meeting because sometimes it, it is truly like I need to go to the bathroom right now. And I have struggled with the question of how, if I should tell people that that's what's going on. Right. I was on teams at UCB um, and you have these three hour long rehearsals and you have one break halfway through and you have a break halfway through. And so for most people, like there's absolutely no need to leave the room except for during that break. And, and you're in the middle of stuff. You're, it's a, you know, a packed three hours. Um, I had to tell all of them, especially when it was like right in the aftermath of my surgery, I had to be like, Hey, so sometimes I'm going to need to like run out of the room and that's what's going on. Like I'm still have some weird digestive stuff from my surgery and, you know, I'll just be right back, but it's not really an option. (laughs) (laughs) Like stay where I am. Do you say Um, it at work? Like, did you tell your coworkers? I've never told people. I mean, people at Full Frontal know that I don't have a gallbladder because Mm -hmm. I'm one of the correspondents and producers, Alana Harkin. She also doesn't have a gallbladder. And so I mentioned at one point, I didn't have a gallbladder totally separate from the digestive issues that I, that are kind of, that I still deal with on the day to day. And someone was like, oh my gosh, you need to talk to Alana because she also doesn't have a gallbladder. And we've like compared notes a little bit. It's interesting. I mean, everyone really, depending on the age, you get it out because I should also say 
I was extremely on the young side to get my gallbladder out. Mm. Getting your gallbladder out is something, um, you know, there's certain risk factors like being obese, um, being old, like those are, those are certain predispositions that like make you more susceptible to having gallbladder issues. Um, I was exceptionally young to have my gallbladder out. I'm certainly not the only person who had their gallbladder out in their twenties, but to get my gallbladder out when I was 24 is I think not, not typical. Um, getting your gallbladder out. I think I read was it's like the eighth most common, uh, surgery in the U S so plenty of people do, but I think, you know, even my mom was like, not young for it, but, but at the lower end of the bracket of when that becomes a common procedure. Mm -hmm. So it's, so, you know, I think when you're young and your body can heal better, um, more quickly, like you do have different remnants, but to be honest, I'm the only person who I, of the people who I've talked to have had their gallbladder out where like diarrhea is like the main thing that is, is my persistent. Oh, interesting that it's different person to person. Yeah. My mom, my mom like never had that issue. Like even in the immediate aftermath of her surgery, that was just not really a problem for her. Wow. Um, and for me, you know, sometimes I'll go, um, a couple weeks without it, but I would say like, that's, as much as I would ever go without having diarrhea and the, and the, and the immediacy of the need to shit is that is like, I mean, that is anxiety inducing. That's That's like, you got to plan your life. Cause if it's, I'm going to be marching in a pride parade today, I need to know the route. I need to know if I can get out. You know what I mean? Like if I'm in public, if I'm in front of people or if I'm traveling, I need to know where I can go if needed. Um, yes, I have, I went to go see the Pope in Central Park. <laughs> uh, and that was like not a situation where you could just leave. And it also was not a situation where there were bathrooms. And like, that was just a moment where it was like, well, I've done my best. Um, I mean, what has been tricky about it for me is I can't really link it. Like when my mom has something fatty, then she has a stomach ache. Mm. For me, it seems to not really be linked to anything I eat or do. Like sometimes I eat something really healthy and that's what happens. Sometimes I eat something really fattening. That's what happened. I do think switching gears from like my eating styles is what has exacerbated it. But it it does appear to be, I think, just a part of my life. (laughs) Yeah, that's so hard. Yeah, the unpredictability of it. I'm definitely used to it now. Like Mm -hmm. as I was thinking about doing this podcast today. And as I was literally walking back from brunch with Branson and I was like, Oh, I need to go to the bathroom right this second and went into my neighborhood bookstore and had a cleansing bout of diarrhea. And as I was doing that, I was just like, I can't even remember what my life was like before this was my reality. And it's, you know, you just, you, you play the hand you've been dealt. You adapt. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm, I'm otherwise like very healthy, very lucky. I, there's nothing, I I don't, it doesn't like make me upset or like plague me. It's so much a part of my life now that's like, well, everyone's got their weird thing, but it it is like kind of, I do kind of forget that like, this truly is something that only happens to me out of my entire like friend group or acquaintances or circles. Like I'm the only person who's like, kind of an old lady and that I always need to know where a bathroom is. And like at any given moment, I might have like a very urgent need to use it. 
Or perhaps there are people who haven't said, but they have similar situations, like people with colitis and people with different digestive situations. So maybe you're opening the door for people to be more open about it. Yeah, I definitely think that it's something I would want to talk about with people if they also have it. Not just so much, not to like compare notes. I don't think there's much to to say other than, you know, wow, I have diarrhea a lot. (laughs) But but I do think it's nice to know that, you know, with anything that happens, that you're not the only person who deals with, you know, the specific set of challenges that a certain health, a health thing that you have has, has set you up with. Yeah. And has the whole experience and how you feel now, has it changed how you view your body and view like, like maybe you, I don't know if you took things for granted before and now you appreciate them or if you're like more aware of diarrhea. I mean, (laughs) there's just so many options. Yeah. That's such a good question. I, I don't know. I mean, I definitely think that being 24 and having something go wrong with your body. It's like a very weird experience. Like when, where I was at in my life, I felt like, like I haven't even done anything yet. Like Mm -hmm. I haven't started doing anything. And suddenly I've got this health issue. Like I'm someone who's had a surgery (laughs) and I, there's an organ in my body that isn't, that was there and isn't there anymore. Like that's kind of weird. Um, you know, I, my dad had like a brain bleed when I was a freshman in college and had to have like emergency brain surgery that saved his life. And I feel like that was the moment for me where I like kind of learned this lesson of like, Oh my God, all this stuff could be going on inside your body and you don't even know, and you're not really in control of it. And you know, that, that was like kind of the scare that I had. So I feel like by the time that I had my gallbladder, Thing. It was just like, let's just fix this. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even really realize it was a surgery and I wasn't scared until I was laying on the table and the anesthesiologist was explaining to me like what was going to happen. And it was only then that it like really clicked in my head of like, oh shit, like I'm about to go- be put unconscious and they're going to slice into me. Like I- it was so abstract until truly the moment before I was about to have the surgery, but yeah. up until I think it was like, well, you know, this is just a problem to be fixed. And I have the, I have the tools and the roadmap to fix it or to have other people fix it. Yeah. But I that since then I've been more aware of my body. I think, I think way more about how I feel all the time, because a lot of times I'm trying to anticipate like what, you know, am I, do I need to go to the bathroom before I leave? Like, Am I feeling weird? I, I think a general side effect of having your gallbladder out is that you're way more gassy in the morning and the evening. And like, I definitely, once I knew that, it's like, now I notice that. So just in general, like noticing things that my body does, I think that's, I think that's increased, but, but yeah, it's, I don't know. Surgery is so weird. Yeah. You go in and then they cut you open and then you walk out without an organ. That's crazy. So do you want to know something so funny. So I was in Story Pirates, which is like an organization, like a a group that adapts kids stories into like comedy sketches and performs them all around, um, I guess the country, but in in the tri-state area for me was what I mostly did. 
And I was at like an end of the year. Oh, no, I wasn't. I was just at a show, like a show for adults. And one of the people in the show who is a friend, his family had come and his brother was like, this is really weird, but I was your anesthesiologist. <laughs> Whoa, my this God. Like, and all I could think was like, that means you've seen my boobs. Like, <laughs> that's what that actually means to me. Like, I understand what I understand what you're saying. Right. But what I hear is I've seen your boobs. Yeah. Like, um, I want to say thank you so much because clearly you did a good job and I came out OK. But like, mostly I'm just thinking like this guy has seen my boobs. Yeah. Cool. Uh-huh. That's exactly right. I, I did say, wow, thank you so much for making sure that I didn't feel my surgery and that I woke up and he was like, that is my job. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't like recommend meeting your anesthesiologist after you've had a surgery in the social context. But if you have to, this guy is like the nicest guy ever. So, yeah. So he, you know. he approached it well. It sounds like. Yeah. And also it's nice to know you're remembered because I'm sure they see so many people. And it's like, okay, I'm just one in a million. But it's like, oh, no, they see that I'm a human and they recognize me. That's nice. Yeah, that's a good point. I really hadn't thought about that. I really just had thought about the just thing. the boobs. I get that. So yeah. I think it's interesting, too. Like, I don't know if you have any advice for people who are going through what you did in the beginning of the story where you were experiencing all that horrible pain and you were getting the wrong answers. Like, is there any advice you would give if someone feels like, you know what, something's not right? Yeah, I mean, I guess this is just like you know, I'm an example of someone who had more centrally based pain rather than upper, right? And so if you have someone who sounds like they have all the gallbladder symptoms, except that it's in the wrong place, you can be like, oh, I heard on a podcast, a girl who had it in the center and her GI said that that does happen from time to time. And it was a female doctor, just want to point out. Oh, yes. All of the men, all of the doctors that dis, um, dis misdiagnosed me were men. And yeah. um, Dr. Matz was a woman and she was great. She was super smart and just she she got it right away. I think um, we're probably I'm going to really generalize, but I think we're pretty in tune with types of pain. Like, I don't think we're yeah. mixing up pains a lot. Yeah. It's like, oh, I actually <laughs> I forgot it was in my throat. Like, I, I don't think that. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's- I had a sore throat. I'm. I'm not minimizing the experience of having acid yes. reflux, which truly sounds terrible, but yeah, was also and gets like, commonly misdiagnosed with like other things and heart attacks and all that. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It just was not the right diagnosis. And I always knew that. You knew it. You knew it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's so hard. You're so out of control with your health and you are just relying on the expertise of people who you just have to blindly trust and mm-hmm. you don't really have a lot of control over it. And not having control is something that I just broadly struggle with. So, Because also my alternative to that is going online at three in the morning and researching everything it could possibly be and not being able to function because I found absolutely everything horrible. And that's not good either. Like you got to just trust the doctor myself with a neurological disorder based on a thing that my therapist said for one second in passing. (laughs) I was like, do you mean this? And he wrote back like, absolutely not. Like what, why did you Google that one thing I said out of context? Like, that's not what I said at all. And I was like, I know, I know, I know. know. So I, and the thing is I did Google this within an inch of its life, but because I kind of atypical, um, symptoms like WebMD put gallbladder stuff so much farther down on the list compared to other stuff. Um, yeah, 
I guess, you know, if you do know that you're getting your gallbladder surgery, I would say like, it is really helpful to have someone who can be there for you, even though it's a minor surgery and it's done laparoscopically, like even something just like twisting your abdomen around so that you can like readjust a pillow. Like that's not really within, that's not really something you can do like the first couple of days. So it is really helpful to have someone there for you. Mm-hmm. And I would also say that when you have any type of laparoscopic surgery, there's like carbon dioxide that gets kind of trapped in your belly that doesn't totally leave when they like, I don't understand the surgery deflate you, but because of gravity, not gravity because of whatever, because of how your body is, it like rises up and it dissipates in your shoulders. Oh, wow. Really painful. So after laparoscopic surgery in your stomach, you can have kind of like intense shoulder pain, which is just air getting trapped up around your shoulders. And in it, and that was something that, um, my surgeon told me would happen, but my mom's surgeon didn't tell her would happen. And my mom was like, what the hell is going on? Like, why do my shoulders hurt way more than my, my incision does? Oh, that's that's, weird. So that's, that's something I would give a heads up on just in case your surgeon doesn't tell you. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. There's kind of just the broad lesson of like not being afraid to, um, ask for help in anticipation of the surgery, even though it was in this grand scheme of surgery, pretty minor. I was really, really glad that my mom was there. And I really, really told her that she shouldn't come. And I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good piece of advice. Yeah. Just get extra help. It won't hurt. Yeah. And just, yeah, it's, it's, it's helpful to have someone there who isn't, who knows that that's what they're there to do. Like, Branson and my roommate Emily would have been wonderful, but they also like worked jobs and, and I think would have, they would helping me would have been one of multiple things that they were doing in any given day and having someone whose job just deliberately was like to be there in case I needed anything or to help me like get food and things like that. Like that, that's really helpful. It doesn't have to be a parent um, because that's not a, it's not, that's not an option for I think a lot of people, I was lucky that my mom was able to come, but having someone where just it's established that they're going to be the person who's going to be there, even if they're just for one day and then you get someone else for the second day. I I do think that that's way more important than was stressed to me by my surgeon who was trying to make me not freak out. (laughs) Yeah. And also I think there's an important point in there too, where it's like, even if they tell you, you can walk out of the surgery and you're going to, you know, walk a mile immediately maybe plan for a couple extra days if you can off work and give yourself a little more time to heal before you start running and doing things afterwards. I wish I had taken more time off of work because I wasn't super comfortable in those first days at work. And I had misrepresented to my bosses, like the parents of the girl that I babysat, how well I would be, but you know, in that week, because I didn't want to disappoint them. I didn't want to be like, I, yeah, I have to take two weeks off of work, but like taking two weeks off of work because you got an organ removed from your body is like not actually an insane thing to do. Um, like I thought I was afraid that they were like, they're going to know what my surgeon knows, which is that this isn't that big of a deal. But like, even my surgeon kind of was a little bit wrong. Right, right, right. You don't have to, you know, pretend it's not a big deal. And in fact, you should probably milk it and be like, I would also request pay because, you know, that's something that you guys should consider as my, as I'm going through this procedure. I definitely occasionally still use my gallbladder 
as an excuse. Oh, that's cool. And like, I think that that's fair because it does affect how I poop on a truly daily basis. And so if I never like use that thing that I have to deal with to help me every once in a while, like, you know, twice a year when I'm like, you know, in need, then, you know, what's, what was the point? I'm all about that. I say, take whatever your situation is and just apply it whenever, honestly. Sometimes the horrible thing that happens to you doesn't happen, happens at like an inconvenient time and that you can't use it. Exactly. Anything. And so you have to just kind of transfer that credit. You transfer the credit. That's such a good way to put it. I always say that. Like one time yeah. I faked a funeral at work because I'd gone on these funerals that were just like at a time when I didn't need to be at work. And then I came into work. It was a Saturday. I had to come in and I wore like a black dress and I was like, I have to go to a funeral. And you know what? I went to a museum. I think that that is I I actually that is like a basic tenet of my personal philosophy. Like <laughs> I don't I don't do this as much anymore. But like I, I feel like when I was um, freelancing a lot and like on UCB teams and stuff like that, like from time to time, I just was exhausted or really uh, like depressed about something and I was just like, I'm having a family emergency, which I've had so many freaking family emergencies and none of them have come at useful times. And right. it's like, babe, I've got like withdrawals from the family emergency bank for years. Like, <laughs> and you know what? I keep and I'm still depositing into the bank, too. Like I still get family emergencies and and those just go in the bank to withdraw when, you know, it's really an emergency and I need it. So, right. yeah, I rarely withdraw. But when I do. It's fair game. <laughs> I'm 100% with you. I am such an advocate for this. And that's why I get really confused when people don't have a valid reason that they can present for why they can't do something. Because I'm like, don't you have a bank? Isn't Doesn't everyone have a bank? Yes. Yeah. Well, the most recent time I used my gallbladder was um, I did a show at Union Hall. And um, for people who are listening who don't know Union Hall, it is a bar in New York that's wonderful. But the seating the seating is kind of weird because it has these huge, like luxurious chairs and couches and it looks like there's a ton of seating, but most of the, I don't know how to describe it. Like most of the couch is like the arm or like there's, it can only seat like one or two people. So it looks like there's seating everywhere, but there really isn't. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it had just been a really long week. was really tired. It was a Friday night. And so I sat on the, there like in front of like a fireplace And I was sitting there and talking with a friend very quietly. And this man who was with his friends around the table that we were next to asked, told us to move because we were crowding them, which was baffling. It was, it was so baffling. It was so rude. It was like, where do you think you are? This is a bar and people like people can kind of go wherever this is like communal. And also we absolutely weren't in their way. And I was very, very mad. Like, I was just like, I was just like, oh, that guy, he like was wrong. And so before I left, I went and I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, you know, I'm really sorry that you felt crowded, but this is a bar and there's a deceptively, you know, few seats to sit in. And I wasn't sitting to crowd you. I was sitting because I recently had surgery and I was sitting down for medical reasons. Yes. I think they said it in a... I think you could have said that to us in a nicer way. And he immediately softened and was like, 
I'm really sorry if I came off rude. I just felt like, you know, initially you just said that you guys were going to put your bags down and then you sat down and we have this table. Like, I understand what you're saying, but we weren't, I don't actually think we were in your way. And he said, well, I'm sorry that, you know, you had surgery. And I was like, you know, or something like that. And I was like, do not worry about it. Have a nice night. This goes back to the benefit of the doubt thing. It's like, you know, this is sort of the true transaction of humanity where like I have pain. Maybe I'm lying about it currently, but I've had it. And then I see your pain and I'm sorry. And that's like nice humanity there. I think that if I had diarrhea because of my gallbladder within the last three to four weeks, I get to sit down. Yeah, I, th- I see that. Following month. In the following month, I, I get one free pass to sit down somewhere. Right. You're not and using so- it willy nilly. It's like you're 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 rationing out the sit downs. Yeah. I totally get Absolutely. that. Yeah. So anyway, that, yeah, that was one where I did. I did, you know, recently, it's not exactly, I did have my surgery three years ago, but I feel the effects of it daily. And so I felt like that was a fair thing to do. Also, even if I didn't have surgery, that man was 100% in the wrong and was very rude. Yeah, that's rude. I mean, crowding, yeah. it's New York. That's just how you live. Yes. Get exactly. over it. Mm-hmm. They're lucky to be in your presence. Sorry if my aura rubbed off on you. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Noted. Uh, Noted. (laughs) Well, Nicole, this has been really illuminating. I hope that if people are listening, have any questions and, you know, things they want to add or experiences of their own that they'll reach out, because I do think this is actually legitimately an under discussed topic. I think people also doubt their pain. I think people are, you know, too scared to, like, address some of the chronic things that are going on with their bodies. So I really do hope that this opens up a conversation and people asking more questions about what they're going through. Yeah, definitely. I, I am always, you know, I'm always willing to chat gallbladder. All about the gall. Ear, all about the gall. And, that, and, that's, and that's honestly, that honestly does describe me. I said this to you before we officially started recording, but the two people who knew that I was talking about my gallbladder to you today were like, that's actually really good for you because you love to talk about your gallbladder and no one ever, you know, it's, it's never the right time. And, and no one ever wants to hear about it. But we never knew to ask. I'm so glad I know now. Now we'll just check in on gallbladder, like skip everything else, get to the point. Yeah. And where can people find you on the internet if they want to talk gall? They want to talk all. I'm on Twitter at N Sulferberg. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Um, yeah. And I hope if anyone has any questions or feedback on this, they'll call our hotline 1-844-STOLAR-X or reach out to Nicole. And um, thank you again for doing this. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to Relatively Healthy. If you have any questions or feedback for us, please give us a call at our hotline, 1-844-STOLARX. That's S-T-O-L-A-R-X. And you can leave us a voicemail. Or you can also find us on Twitter at 844-STOLARX or Facebook. And while we're talking, it would be so awesome if you haven't yet, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And on iTunes, please give us a five-star review. Every review that you give is just like a little kiss from the universe. So thank you so much for listening and we'll be back every Monday. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.